Clarksville, if you're standing in the checkout line at Publix or Kroger, the guy or gal behind you just might be the next Medal of Honor winner. Clarksville's Conversation, a podcast that brings you interesting conversations with fascinating people from around Clarksville and Montgomery County. Hi, I'm Charlie Kuhn. I'm sitting here with Katie Gamble and Mark Green, who is a Tennessee Senator Mark Green, um, Congressman-elect Mark Green, father, husband, outdoorsman. Fly fisherman. My goodness. I mean, we've we've got a lot to learn. Veteran. Don't forget veteran. Veteran. Yep. Man. We've got a lot to learn about you. Well, mm-hmm. I, I've uh, God has allowed me many different opportunities. That's for sure. He definitely has, and and we as Clarksvians have seen everything that you've done, and we've read a lot about what you've done. But why don't you tell us a little bit about growing up? Where'd you come from? So, uh, you know, I was born in Jacksonville, Florida, but my dad moved to Mississippi when I was two or three years old. So really all I ever knew was Mississippi and, and then going to visit family in Jacksonville, Florida. But, you know, Mississippi was, um, you know, very rural. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my hometown was the county seat, and I think we had 1,500 people in the whole town. Um, my high school, 100 people in the graduating class. Um, you know, grew up, my, the road I lived on was a dirt road until I think I was 12 or 13 when they finally put that tar stuff down. They still didn't <laughs> yeah. a- asphalt it. It was just tar with more gravel on top. That didn't come till 911. Right? Yeah, <laughs> much later. <laughs> but, um, it, you know, it was it was great growing up in small town America. And yeah. the people of Mississippi are, you know, they're faith people. They're, they love the country. Yeah. Um, what made you decide to choose West Point? I, you know, it was a combination of things. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, I wanted to serve the country. That's number one. I wanted to go to a good school, um, and I didn't have a lot of money, um, so I was either going to work my own way, work my way through college, uh, or I was going to not go to college. Mm-hmm. And you know, the guidance counselor, there's this West Point catalog, and I'm in the guidance counselor's office, and she says something to the effect, uh, "Don't worry about it. You're not ever going to get accepted to that place." Wow. <laughs> yeah. And then I go home with the calendar, uh, yeah. catalog and say, hey, Dad, what do you think? And Dad says, I don't, you know, don't waste your time. Did you say guidance counselor, what do you think of me now? Yeah, <laughs> no, no. no they're, I mean, they are dear friends of the family, yeah. you know. So, um, but I, my dad to this day, you know, swears that he did it on purpose to, to motivate me. Um, and probably he's, did. he probably did, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's the kind of dad he was. Um, but yeah. So, so I have a question about West Point. The, the selection process to get in, it's got to be a very, very stringent. You, you don't just apply and get in. I mean, what's, what's the percentage of people that apply and are accepted? Oh, gosh, I couldn't give you the, yeah. you know, the right figures yeah. today. Yeah. I yeah. mean, back, back then, I, you know, I, don't, I wouldn't even say. It's a small percentage, though. But mm-hmm. it's a very, very small percentage. And, you know, I, went, I, I came from Mississippi. And it, you sort of compete with people from your state because okay. the West Point has people from each state. So I didn't realize um, that. I, you know, a little bit easier than getting in from Tennessee. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Tennessee is very competitive. We have a lot of great, you know, um, students who want to go to the academy. So it's it's tough. I mean, I've seen some of the the, the young people that want to go and, and don't get in, mm. and they're impressive too. Yeah. So. 
So now you graduated West Point, but then you, I, and I, I think I kind of remember the story. You went back to school to become a doctor, correct? Yeah, I was actually an infantry officer for, for more years in the Army, in the active Army, than I was a physician. Um, did nine years as an infantryman. I, uh, you know, was at Fort Knox in the 194th Separate Armor Brigade, and then I went to the 82nd Airborne Division, commanded in the 82nd. Um, decided I wanted to go to medical school volunteered for recruiting duty so that I could go to night classes because I my undergrad degree was in economics I had no I had no uh, you know prerequisites for med school so did the recruiting thing which was actually a very educational for me I learned a lot about business and I learned a lot about selling and so it was a it was a great development opportunity for me to command a recruiting company then of course med school ER residency and that's what you know, brought me to Campbell was. So, and I think I've heard the story, but what happened that made you decide to become a physician? My dad almost died. Uh, I, I, much of my sort of life mm-hmm. story and my dad's story are, are intertwined somewhat uniquely. Um, you know, dad almost died. The doctor who saved his life had actually been a military physician uh-huh. and had been a, like, I think he was a field artillery officer. So he had okay. done the same program where you're you're one kind of officer and then you go to med school and they pay for it. And so I'm talking to him and saying, oh, man, I could do this. Mm-hmm. I could really make a difference in the lives of people. And then, boom, I'm I'm applying and we, we got accepted. So. Wow. wow. Uh, that's amazing. So so in from from step one at, at uh, West Point through your military career, what was your favorite part? Was it was it uh, being a student or was it being being a soldier without a doubt the the, my best time in the military was with the night stalkers at 160th i mean they're you know they're the very best of the very best they're the elite and to one even earn a slot on the team is pretty amazing but to to go down range and and to serve those guys and love on those guys i mean it just it was one an honor honor to do it and and two, it was a heck of a lot of fun. You know, you're hanging in the back of a helicopter uh-huh. with the yeah. best, I mean, the best guys on the planet. And the people that, that are their customers, the people they fly to targets, are also the very elite yeah. of our Army and of our joint force, right? Yeah. So um, I just got to hang out with these guys and go mm-hmm. to war with these guys and get did shot you, at with these guys. Did you jump out of helicopters with these guys? Uh-huh. Yeah, of oh, course. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You know, I think there's something about the 160th that a lot of people don't realize. You know, we, we see them here at Fort Campbell, right? But they're in a lot of different places. Oh, man, a lot they're of all over the times. world. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, it's, you know, we think 160th and we think of our neighbors and our friends and the guys training over above our houses, but they are all over the place. Yeah. And, and what they do with, with Marines and different, oh, man. Navy it's guys. amazing. Yeah. It's it's very interesting. Um, you know where on the planet they are, the missions that, that they have, uh, the missions that they've done. I mean, you think of just the two or three big historic ones, like the capture of Saddam, or mm-hmm. uh, you know getting Bin Laden, mm-hmm. or um, you know the Jessica Lynch res- rescue. A lot of people kind of forget about oh, yeah. that. Yeah, but, you're right. But that was a historic rescuing an American prisoner of war mm-hmm. hadn't happened for you know decades so mm-hmm. those are all very historic things and the 160th was right there at the tip of the spear literally mm-hmm. so, pretty cool now you mentioned the capture of saddam mm-hmm. and you've written a book about it 
can we talk about that a little bit about yeah. because um, tell us about you were actually there as a physician the night that Saddam was brought in correct yeah I actually it's interesting prior to that mission maybe up to maybe a week or so before that mission I had had two tasks myself my I covered the uh, special operations forces detention facility taking care of all of the detainees making sure their health was good and then I uh, flew on the missions so I got to go and like when a mission would happen to capture Saddam or to look at WMD I planned the medical portion of that mission making sure you know the assets are available to take care of the guys if anybody gets wounded etc cetera, etc cetera. and then how do we get the casualties back and so I would plan the mission and then I would fly on the mission as the medical coverage or the physician covering the target well, about a week before Saddam was captured, they, they brought in another physician to handle the detention facility. So I actually covered the target, and he covered the detention facility. So we come back after the mission, and uh, you know, I just basically say to myself, boy, I better just go over there and get a look at him. It's a Even, moment in history. It's a moment in history. I'll mm -hmm. just go and kind of peek in the door. Well, that physician had done the physical exam on Saddam and then left the facility. His, his job was over at that point. I'm standing on the outside sort of looking in, looking at the parade of dignitaries going in to get, you know, some Saddam time. And, uh, and the admiral comes out, who's in charge of our task force, and sees me and says, hey, I want a physician to stay with this guy. Mark, will you spend this first night with him? And I was like, of course Heck I will. Heck yeah. Yeah, that, I <laughs> might crazy. have said, uh -huh. yeah. So, and, and I go, and that's, and then that starts, you know, six hours, which changed my life. What, what, when you first see him, you're looking through a window, or, and then they tell you, come in here. A door. Yeah. I mean, what, what's your feeling? What, what, what's your... E elation. Mm hmm You know, I tell people, I, I often describe it like this, think of the joy of winning a Super Bowl. You're part of a team that has trained for something and trained for something and you you have some games that happened before and then boom you win the Super Bowl. The truth of the matter is that happens every single year but in history we've caught you know one yeah. totalitarian murderous dictator in history. Right. <laughs> I was a part of an elite team that that took part in that and then did it and executed it and executed the mission and then you know here I am I'm with Saddam Hussein. So I was on cloud nine it was almost Almost like I was outside of my body looking at what was going you on. You recognize that this is a moment that is going to be in the history books, and I get to be a part I of it. I get to be a part of it, yeah. In fact, you know, some of what Saddam told me that night wasn't in history books, which is what prompted me to write yeah. my story to tell people, well, this is why Saddam did this or, you know, mm -hmm. et cetera. So. If, you, if you could just flash back to that day and and describe what he what he looked like to you when you first saw him what what he looked like he had been shaved by that time he was cleaned up um, he had himself together you know emotionally and everything I, I had sort of talked to other people initially his demeanor was sort of shock and mm -hmm. I've been captured and then very belligerent and defiant um, and by that point, I think he had settled into his fate. He was, in fact, charming. You know, when I talked to him, he was yeah. he was charming. So um, you talk about some of the things you talked about with him. Did he say anything to you that really surprised you about him? I think the sort of the surprising thing uh, for me was the the question, the response to 
um, the question, why did you start the Iran-Iraq war? I asked him that you question. You asked him that question, wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was trying to stay away from the WMD mm-hmm. and any anything that would be involved in a, in a criminal trial, right? Mm-hmm. So I asked things like, you know, uh, did you think the Americans would respond the way we did when you invaded Kuwait? Um, you know, historic type things. And his answer to the question on Iran was just uh, phenomenal, you know, mm-hmm. really a piece of history. I asked him why he started the war, and he described Khomeini. When Khomeini was fleeing the Shah, he, he left Iraq. He came first to a very Shia uh, part of um, Iraq, and most people I guess by now most people know that Iraq is mostly a Shia country. Mm-hmm. Saddam was a Sunni Muslim, and they were, you know, the Baathists were leading this this nation of mostly Shia. So when a Shia cleric comes into this country, he probably felt very threatened. He goes and meets with Khomeini, and he says, "Okay, you can stay here as long as when you come to power in Iran, you cede some coastline to me so that I can export my oil more easily." Khomeini agrees. Of course, later Khomeini flees to France, um, and then of course the Shah falls in the Iranian Revolution. Khomeini comes back in power, and then refuses to keep the bargain with Saddam. And so Saddam basically said, "I took by force what was promised to me in a deal." Oh, wow! And I mean, wow. as the start of the Iran-Iraq War, and here I got, you know, the dictator himself telling me that. So I, I was like, "Man, this is, I got to write this down." Yeah, and you did. And we did. Yeah, Mark has a book on Am- You can get it on Amazon? You can. You can get yeah, it on Amazon. Sure. Night with Saddam? Is a that Night the name with Saddam, yeah. Mm-hmm. No wine and cheese involved. It was, you know, just an, <laughs> inter- <laughs> just an interview. Did so. he, Did I mean, I, I know you were asking questions. I mean, and you said he was um, charming. Did he, like, inquire anything about you? No, I, he was this very, I say charming, but he was somewhat um, aloof and, 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 you know, like he was some special person. Oh. And I was just this underling history guy, you know, recording things for posterity. Mm-hmm. So, no, he never asked me questions, but he wanted to talk. I mean, he got up and started the conversation. So, um, Do you think he wanted to, people to know some of these things because he knew what his fate was going to be? I don't think he ever thought that we would turn him back over to the Iraqis. Okay. I, I honestly thought he, my perception was he probably thought, he was going to wind up like Manuel Noriega in a jail in Miami, you know. Yeah, yeah. He, he, yeah he did yeah. not. I don't think he ever anticipated what we ultimately yeah. would do, which was to turn him over to the Iraqis, and then you know, they they exacted a different kind of justice. We we all have significant moments in our life, and I assume that that was one for you. Yeah. How, how did that change you? Well, the story, of course, itself opens a lot of doors, right? Mm-hmm. And um, being able to talk about it allows me to, you know, talk about the things that are important to me, right? Mm-hmm. You, you know, and when I started my company, I'm sure it helped me get in front of people. Um, but, uh, you know, ultimately, it's... It, it's just been a, a, a great story to be able to tell. Mm-hmm. And in the book, I mostly talk about how awesome the Night Stalkers are mm-hmm. and their families, too. I spend a considerable amount of time just talking about what it's like to say goodbye to your family yeah, and to leave. And one of the stories I talk about is we were preparing to go 
you know, basically to go to war, you know, you've got a weekend. Do you train more and increase your chances of coming home? Mm-hmm. Or do you get that extra ice cream cone with your daughter? And when that errant bullet takes your life, what really has more value? Mm-hmm. The ice cream cone. So it's, these are the decisions mm-hmm. that soldiers and their leaders have to make. And America, that's a decision America would never if you've never been in the military, you would never know that there is some soldier right now who's going to deploy in three or four weeks, and he's thinking, well, do I go get an extra ice cream cream mm-hmm. cone, or do I train more? Yeah. And that's a... That's tough. That's tough. Mm-hmm. That's really but tough. But that's, that's, you know, one of many just hard things about the life that these people on this post choose. And um, that's a we can't forget it. That is a very eye-opening perspective that I agree most people probably don't even think of unless you've been in that situation. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. When you when you're at Fort Campbell and you you're there for a flight, a returning flight, and everybody's celebrating. I mean, it's it's amazing because you just sit back and you, and you'll see a a soldier meet their child for the first time. Mm-hmm. Or you, yeah, you know, that's right. New baby or, born. That, yeah, that's pretty cool. Or a loved one could may not be there. I mean, there's so many things. So if you ever have an opportunity, Katie, I don't know if you've ever been, but if not, you should make a point to go out there and watch a flight. It is amazing. Yeah, I'll never, for, I will never forget coming home the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one, having everybody there to greet you and the family. Of course, I came home to the compound, which is a little different than the main part of post. But um you know, getting in the car. I, I came home in June after having been in the desert. And in Iraq, or at least the parts of Iraq I was in, very few exceptions. I did a few missions in the north where we saw some green, but it was brown everything. The buildings yeah. are painted brown. The dust is brown, so anything that is growing has brown dust on it. Um, you know, everything but the sky is brown. So I get in a car, you know, my wife is driving me home. And the green of the trees going oh, by, I'm like in sensory overload going, I think I might have a seizure here if I don't. How old were you your know. kids then? Uh, Mitchell was, I think, eight, seven or eight. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, Alexa was nine, ten. Okay. You know, and now they're 26 Sorry, and 22. I don't know that. Uh, <laughs> not her. Uh, Alexa. Is that Alexa? Not that yeah. Alexa. That's yeah, Alexa, Alexa, stop. <laughs> That's funny. Well, you know, you know, you you bring up your family, and at, and at the very beginning, we talked about what you do, you know, for fun. Uh, what? Tell us about your family and and how they support you as as you transition from the military and then into your next step into politics. Tell us, tell us what they do. You know, my kid, my kids are very, very uh, active in their own things. Mm-hmm. So. Um, and my wife too. So everybody is kind of doing their own thing in a way. Um, my son, you know, in high school was playing sports, lacrosse. Uh, my daughter was competing in her her sport, uh, eventing, and then you know, Cammy's being mom and and kind of taking care of it. If anything, in our family, the dynamic is altered a little bit because my wife has to do so much to take up for me being gone so much and so she's the real hero of the whole mix but um yeah the kids are great they're doing good things my son's now a second lieutenant infantry officer um 
and his first duty assignment is the uh, first brigade of the 101st. So we're oh, excited that's wonderful. Uh, that he's going to be coming back home. He's uh, coming back home, but you're going to DC. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, <laughs> but it'll be you know three or four nights uh, mm-hmm. a week, and uh, it won't be too bad. I'll, I'll hopefully get seen, but. Uh, he's going to First Brigade, so they leave, you know, this this yeah. month, actually. So he'll deploy with them? I hope so. I, you know, he'll come, I think, well, let me put it this way. He hopes so. Uh, his mother and I are, you know, but I, I want him to have the experience, and yeah. he wants to serve his country, and he's doing it for the honor of, of serving. And um, so he gets through Ranger School. Uh, I think he wants to go to something called Arslick, whatever that means, a new school that wasn't around when yeah. I was a second lieutenant. And then airborne, and then he'll come here, and then hopefully he wants to put put one set of duffel bags down and, and grab the others yeah. and go, um, and um, they'll be they'll be uh, in Iraq. So yeah, they just uh, cased their colors last week, or did they? Uh, Might have been this week, but mm-hmm. yeah. So uh, they're they're ready to go, and and hopefully he'll get to join them for. That's amazing. That yeah, it's it's story. it's uh it's different when you're on this yeah. side of it, right? I mean. You but, think about your son going and or your daughter. It's it's different. You know, you can you, I can tell that you're concerned, but by the look on your face right now, you're proud. Proud. I mean, that, yes. that's what's coming out. Right yeah. Now. I mean, I'm I, honestly I am very proud of both my <clears throat> kids. My daughter is a super competitive, uh, you know, horse person. Wants to maybe ride in the Olympics someday. She's She's great at what she does. She's good. And Mitchell, I'm you know, obviously very proud of him serving in serving in in in, in the army and maybe someday in combat. Um, both are dangerous. Yeah. They are. You know, um, there are more C-spine injuries and paralyzed people in her sport per capita than any sport in the country. Really? Um, yeah. And huh. he on the you know will be fighting for his country so it's mm-hmm. uh yeah, i'm proud of both of them and and um yeah that's amazing well let's talk a little bit about politics sure that's it you know oh so why, why politics yeah you, you went from being you had this business align md yeah yeah so you sold it, it and yeah. got into politics so what made you decide i'm gonna run for the state senate um well you know ron ramsey came to me and mm-hmm. asked me to run and I had been involved in politics as a spectator and as a supporter of others. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so Ron Ramsey came to me and said, hey, I want you to consider running for the for the state Senate. And, of course, I, you know, I'm like, OK, I, I was flattered and, you know, mm-hmm. that'd be really cool. And, and I go and think and pray about it. And I'm, out, I'm thinking maybe I'll tell him no, uh-huh. you know, and I go back to West How'd Point. How'd that work out for you? <laughs> uh, well, I, never, I never did. I, I went to the academy for my 25th reunion, and I'm, uh, you know, in this briefing that starts our reunion, and a one-star general, the Commandant of Cadets, is up talking. I think he either was my classmate or a year behind me. I don't really remember. But he's giving a presentation on how West Point has changed over the years. Then he puts a slide up that says, but this hasn't changed. The mission of West Point remains to train leaders for a lifetime of service to the nation. Oh. And it was sort of like, a, as Virginia Woolf would say, a moment of being an arrow through my heart. It's you confirmation know. that this is... Well, it was almost a guilt trip. I had taken taxpayer dollars to go to a school whose purpose was to train a leader who would serve the nation for his lifetime. And I oh, thought, oh my yeah. gosh... 
So I go from that briefing, literally from that briefing with my son. Mitchell was thinking about going to the academy at the time. We go up onto the plane at West Point, and there's MacArthur's statue. Mm-hmm. And on that statue is um, a basically a quote I had to memorize as a cadet, and it's duty, honor, country. Those three hallowed words reverently dictate what you can be, what you ought to be, what you will be. And the word duty wouldn't get out of my head. So in some amount of time, I called Ron and said... Did you feel like that was maybe some spiritual confirmation that this was the path you need to take? Because I know you're a spiritual person. Yeah, I mean, I am. And I, I mean, I, I yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was also just, okay, this is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. So we did it and we won. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then ran again and we won. And now we're in another race. Or so so while, while, you're, while you're representing... Um, in the state, in the state, do you have a favorite bill? I was wondering that same thing. Is there, is there something thing. that you did that you're proud of for your service? It's tough to say. There are three bills that that sort of stand out to me. Um, my very first bill, I made a promise I'd take care of my brothers and sisters uh, in the military. So, uh, my very first bill, I uh, basically wrote a bill that allowed soldiers to turn in their military driver's license as proof that they had the skills to get a CDL. Okay. And so then those veterans basically just, basically they're turning in their military driver's license to get their CDL, their commercial driver's license. I figure if you can drive an 18-wheeler in Baghdad, you're probably going to be okay in Memphis or Nashville. <laughs> you would think so. <laughs> so uh, maybe Nashville, maybe not Memphis. <laughs> no, Memphis too, Memphis too. Um, so they, here we are, you know, and, and we got that done. And I actually wound up being uh, Lieutenant Governor uh, Ramsey once said of me that I'd written more pro-veteran legislation than any senator in the history of the state. Because every year I'd run maybe five to ten veteran bills. Mm-hmm. The the next bill that's really one that I really am proud of is the uh, the DNA bill where a rapist can be charged as a John Doe if we have their DNA profile from a rape. And that stops the statute of limitations and if that guy is found 30 years from now, he gets convicted. Wow. So that one, you know, had had ramifications nationally. Other other states picked it up yeah. and ran it, um, just doing the right thing. And then, um, of so course, you, my biggest was the hall income tax. You well, know. you were able to use your military experience and your medical experience to put together some legislation. That oh yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. But the big one was you know killing the hall income tax. Only two states in the nation's history have ever repealed any form of an income tax. And uh, I got that bill passed in Tennessee. What what kind of support? I I remember you going through all that, but what kind of support did you have from across the aisle? Was it? We did on that bill. You know, the Democrats really kind of helped us a lot on that bill. And and through the years, their support either rose or fell based on the landscape of the politics with the governor and and stuff like that. But uh, in the end, we had Democrats vote for the bill. Yeah, it's amazing. If you know, if you put your heart in it and try to do good, it's amazing what you can get done. That's yeah, right. I could, I look at those six years as a state senator and say, you know, we did some good stuff. I mean, these are this is good stuff yeah. for the state of Tennessee, and you know, hopefully, we'll be able to do that in Washington. So you, the last U.S. Congressman from Clarksville was Andrew Caldwell in yeah. 1883. Yep. And you said that the other night at your town hall meeting, so we kind of looked it up out of curiosity. Yeah. So that's a that's a huge deal. It's been 
I'm, I'm not even really good at the math. Well over 100 years. Yes, so. almost 140 years, yeah. So yeah. Um, when, do you, when do you leave for D.C.? So we've already gone and done two week-long orientation weeks, um, you know, getting offices, drawing in a lottery for offices. That's a whole other story. Um, <laughs> and yeah. then, uh, you know, going through the ethics class, the ethics rules in, Nash in Washington are so different than they are in Nashville. In Nashville, basically, you just don't, I can't take a pencil eraser. Mm -hmm. And so you just don't, you don't take any gifts. Uh, in, uh, but in Washington, there's 23 exceptions. <laughs> it just makes sense that there would be, right? Of I mean, course. it's Washington. Yeah, of course. Right. So I got to go, well, you know what? Maybe we'll just not take any gifts and we'll just leave it at that and, uh, you know, make sure we're good to go. But um, I've got to learn all those new, the ethics rules. And of course, the rules of the House. Mm hmm. So how the committees function and how um, how you add amendments and how you, all that stuff, I've got, you know, got to learn how to do that. Um, and, of course, we voted on our leadership. So Did I hear that you were voted president of your freshman class? Yes, I did uh, get selected to be president mm -hmm. of the freshman class. Well, that's quite the honor, isn't so it? So what, what does that mean? What, what does that do? It yeah. basically means that, uh, you know, I get to make sure everybody's... Uh, you got to play in the class reunions? No. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess that's kind of, kind of you know, it's also um, hopefully uh, getting to go to the leadership of the Republican caucus and say, okay, the Republican leadership of this freshman class... Okay. is here to help you do this, this, and this. So, for example, if they want to retake the majority in 2020, obviously there are, if that's the strategic goal, then there are these steps that have to happen, one of which would be for every single one of the Republican freshmen to get reelected. Okay. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So then we would go to them and say, okay, we're going to own our 30 people, make sure everybody gets reelected, B, we're going to pick up five to ten others that you, races you want us to play in, mm -hmm. and then us as a class will will work to make sure we all get reelected, and that um, you know maybe five or ten others get elected, and then that's our contribution to retaking the house. So that's sort of so you're kind of the leader of the, the yeah. president of making sure all that happens. Yeah. So I'll help our class accomplish its goals, whatever those mm -hmm. goals turn out to be, and we've got a survey monkey right now amongst the class um to see what sampling, the goals are right just sampling where how far they want to go mm -hmm. do we you know so oh I, I was gonna just piggyback on that when um when do you or have you already received committee assignments so committee assignments come uh probably second or third week of january i'm um we're already sort of posturing and politicking and trying to get yeah. on committees so what well, which committees are your priorities so i asked for my number one choice and the mm -hmm. one that above and beyond all the others combined i want to be on the house armed services committee yeah. that makes sense right because mm -hmm. i love the military my experience in the military is incredibly broad you know when i was an infantry officer i was a mechanized infantry officer then i was a light airborne infantry officer I commanded a recruiting company that was very unsuccessful when I started, and we finished. There were 65 brigades, I think, or 65 companies in 2nd Brigade at the time. We were like 63rd of 65 when I took over, and within 10 months, we were 8 of 65. So, you know, right now, one of the things the Army's struggling in is recruiting. Mm-hmm. 
you know, we, we were a full brigade last year, 6,000 soldiers, we missed our quota, right? Lots of work to do there. I've been in the medical corps. I've, I understand Army, uh, educating Army doctors. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in special operations with trips to Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, I've worked with the Joint Force as a part of that special operations task force. Um, you know, and then my civilian experience running a healthcare mm-hmm. company and and what my company really delivered, a big part of what we delivered was the Lean and Six Sigma to make things, you know, make hospital emergency departments run better. Mm-hmm. So optimizing processes in an organization, well, that's what I did and did very well. So um, I think there's, I think I have an incredible breadth of experience and I want to use that experience. I want to use that to serve, mm-hmm. to serve the the men in green, blue, white. All of them? Yeah, all of them. Earlier you mentioned something about goals. So, and I know that when you get there, there's going to be a lot of adjusting, a lot of to learn and just figuring it all out. But is there any like one thing in particular that you're really going to be passionate about trying to get some legislation on? Um, You know, there's tons of different things that I'm passionate about. You know, in the big 100,000 foot view, you know, debt, government spending, mm-hmm. we've got to get those under control. Um, regulations, we, you know, the deregulation that has happened in the last two years has been phenomenal. Great for the economy. That needs to continue. Um, you know, and then you think, then you look at things like health care and the strength of the military, and I bring a lot to both of those discussions, some ideas specifically for the health care piece. But you can take it, you can drill it all the way down to something as small as, you know, right now they're talking about a potential shutdown of the government. It's unconscionable to believe this, but it actually is true. When the government shuts down, the Gold Star families stop getting benefits. Mm. And that is... Uh, That's I'm, a shame. Yeah. So that would yeah. be my first bill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Well, you know, the, the Survivor Outreach Services um, out at Fort Campbell, they play a huge role with the Gold Star families, as you know, yeah. and, um, you know that's a that's a great thing to be behind because you you know losing a loved and one. Those is are tough, men and women who lost, anyway, yeah who gave but, their lives. And those those family members continue to come back to help other grieving family members. So it's a that's an important thing. I appreciate you doing that. Well, you only have to go to to one memorial service. Yeah, mm-hmm. it only takes yeah. one. And when you go, it'll change you for your, for your lifetime. And you will you will become an ardent supporter of the Gold Star families. You will. Uh, and so we're going to do everything we can to make sure that that gets fixed. Yeah. And we have so many in our community. You know, we have oh, so yeah. many heroes and Gold Star family members. We we walk amongst them every day, and uh, they're they're part of the fabric of our community, and we need to yes, support I agree. them. Yeah, it's you know we I think sometimes maybe we who live here take Clarksville for granted a little bit. But, mm-hmm. you know, when I got out of the Army, I had a decision. You know, I'm, I'm an ER physician. I could go anywhere in the country and get a job mm-hmm. that pays very well. So where do we want to live? Where do we want to raise our kids? And Cammie and I, it was, I mean, it didn't take any time to make the decision. Um, Clarksville, if you're standing in the checkout line at Publix or Kroger, the guy or gal behind you just might be the next Medal of Honor winner. That's right. And when you come to grips with what that means, this place is a special place. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. So I'm going to 
ask you this and mm -hmm. give you one last thing, and then we have this little funny thing we do at the well, end. Well, we think it's funny. We'll find it. We think it's funny. That's right. Okay. So, that tees it up real uh, <laughs> Yeah. No, no stress. No uh, stress. I wanted no to give you a chance, because I know the media isn't always very accurate in representing what people say or do. Is there anything that you want to address? You know, I just wish that the media would be more accurate. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you... When you want to, um, I don't know, you know, take something that a politician says and then make conclusions about it and, and then say other things, just make sure your stuff's accurate. I'll give you an example. What, you know, I've been called anti-Latino in the press, and I'm on the board of advisors for Latinos for Tennessee. Mm -hmm. I am on, I was their legislator of the year, but that's just one simple example of Twisting the truth. twist twisting the truth mm -hmm. it's just false mm -hmm. and but that it gets printed once and then that all the others cite this one right so they're okay to say whatever they want because they're citing the one person who took that step and said the wrong thing and it, it's just very very frustrating so your advice to media would be check your sources yeah well check mm -hmm. your have sources one <laughs> and yeah. check them you make right. sure that they're you know that this person who quoted this really got it right because mm -hmm. that know, it wasn't an opinion it was a fact exactly mm -hmm. i can find you know five to ten examples of where people have said green said this or did that and it was absolutely not what i said okay um so i've got to tee this up for those that don't know charlie but charlie is kind of famous for his mustache right yes of course yes of so course. charlie i've never shaved my mustache now, and that's gonna be fun ever Ever. Wow. There you go. So okay. I'll. So Charlie's mustache. You a question? I mustache. You a question? <laughs> okay. Now th right. this question can be anything that I make up. So it's really important that you get the answer right. Okay. So let's say uh -huh. American Idol or The Voice or somebody calls and says, Congressman, you're on tonight. What song are you singing? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, you're trying to would, win a contest. Yeah, now. first they would never ever do that because well, yeah. they know better. Uh -huh. But um, I mean, I've done a lot. You talked about my resume. There's a lot. I am not singing. Uh -huh. I'm not cutting an album. But I, I mean, <sighs> I you know probably, um, uh, gosh, I don't know what to say. Uh, wherever wherever they may roam by metallica maybe or, oh it's uh, a rocker oh, how's that go uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah good try yeah, yeah. good try uh, or i mean i like all kinds of music you know that uh keith urban song police car oh that's a good that's one. a great yeah, song you are yeah. you can, crossing genres you can yell that one when you're driving down the road that's right. you know uh -huh. sing it at the top of your lungs and nobody's listening uh and then i love country stuff or uh, christian stuff too i mean building 429 and you know, Jason Roy, those yeah. guys are great. Yeah. Love those guys. Jason Roy's local. We should get him in sometime. Yeah, you should do yeah, Jason, this with mm -hmm. Jason. He's, yeah. he's yeah. phenomenal. He's, he's he would be perfect. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and there's a metal Christian band called Red uh, mm -hmm. with a song called Breathe. And I love that. Uh, I, I love that whole album. But So you're not prepared to sing something no, not today. not sing anything. Amazing Grace. <laughs> he, oh, he said. Hey, that's he, a good one. Now, now, I can, now I'll play a saxophone. Oh, there's I, a little I, I can play saxophone pretty I'm a well, I'll tell you what you can do. What? You can you can preach a sermon. 
and you can give, deliver a great message. I have heard you before. Yeah, I like and uh, if you would have sung Amazing Grace while I was there, I'd have, I'd have probably cried because <laughs> this man right here can lay it down for you. Oh, I've, I've that, heard that, him that, preach before. That is a fact, and I appreciate that. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. Well, we want to thank you for coming in and having a conversation with us today. Yeah, of course. Thanks for so having me. He, Mark had no idea what he was getting himself into, but he just <laughs> volunteered and uh, said, of course, I'll come do that. A friend called and said, hey, will That's you join right. us on uh -huh. our... Our it wasn't so bad, was it? No, it was painless. Yeah, it wasn't well, so we, bad. We've got so many people like Mark that just interesting people in our community. We've got so many people And, and we need to learn yeah. more. You know, right, I, I've right. talked to you a million times, and today I've learned more than I ever knew. Oh, so cool. we, yeah. we appreciate that sure, very much. Sure. Get, get Gary Luck on here. Well, he's yeah. on our list to get okay. in because yeah, he's well, a hoot. He's, what does he say? Uh, uh, put some hua in your what's do I do I in your hua. hua yeah 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 so yeah, we'll, that, he's we'll call awesome. his people see if they'll answer yeah but anyway we want to thank everybody for listening and join us next week for some more conversations Clarksville's conversation subscribe now on your favorite podcasting app so you don't miss a single conversation.